James chapter 1. Last week we did an introduction to this book of James, gave you some, some groundwork, gave you some, some background information, so to speak. This week we're going to look at verses 1 through 8 in James chapter 1. The Bible says there, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, Lord, we start our, our journey here in the book of James. And once again, we're thankful for these, these epistles you've given us to guide us and direct us and convict us and convince us. And Lord, to, to build our faith upon and now we ask you to help us as we study your word. Might it make a difference in our lives? James talks a little later about being not just hearers, but doers of the word. We don't need to just have knowledge. We need to have wisdom. And I pray that you'd help us to be a people of godly wisdom. Now, bless this time we're going to spend in this, these verses tonight. Open our eyes of understanding. Convict our hearts where we need conviction. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Title this, Essentials for Victory in Trials. The Essentials for Victory in Trials. Now, most of us are familiar with the old adage, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade. But you know, when you think about it, it's much easier to smile at that statement than it is to practice it. But in fact, the basic philosophy of that statement is accurate, is sound. In fact, that idea is really biblical. We find throughout the Bible people who turn defeat into victory and trial into triumph. Instead of being victims, they became victors. Now, James tells us that we can have this same kind of experience today. No matter what trials we face on the outside, uh, and he deals with them in these first 12 verses of this chapter, or the temptations on the inside, he deals with that in verses 13 through 27. Through faith in Christ, we can experience the victory. The result of this victory, then, is spiritual maturity. James talks here, we notice the word perfect several times. And that word perfect doesn't mean without, without blemish. What it means is mature and complete. Now, if we're going to turn our trials into triumphs, we need to obey four imperatives that James gives us here. We need to obey the imperatives of count, know, let, and ask. All action words, imperatives. If we put it another way, there are four essentials for victory in trials. Number one, a joyful attitude. Number two, an understanding mind. Number three, a surrendered will. And number four, a heart that wants to believe. 
And so we're going to look at these four essentials for victory in our trials tonight. And the first one is we must have a joyful attitude. He says in verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. You know, it's interesting James is saying uh, to us that we, he doesn't say if temptation comes our way. He says when. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. You see, trials and tribulations are just a part of the Christian life. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, uh, therefore, we'll go over there, 1 Corinthians 10. I'm blanking out on that verse, so we'll look at it. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. There hath therefore taken no, there hath therefore no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. Common to man. That means all of us face the temptations, the trials, the tribulations. And so uh, over in John 16 and verse 33, Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. And uh, so we understand that it's going to be a part of our lives to have the tribulations. He says, uh, Peter tells us over in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, Beloved, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. You see, somebody said it this way. The trials and tribulations of life are not elective in God's school, but required courses. I think that's very well put. We're going to go through them. Each one of us is going to have the trials and tribulations of life. We don't all have the same trials and tribulations, but we have the trials and tribulations of life. Now, these are testings we encounter unintentionally. Notice also the language there. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. I was thinking about this. You know, when we sin, we don't fall into sin. No, we go into sin. This idea of falling means to encounter along the way. It means to come upon. We don't come upon sin. We design ourselves to go into sin. But these trials and these tribulations, I don't think anybody in this room is going out looking for trials and tribulations. I don't think you're wanting to enter into trials and tribulations and choosing to do so. No, we fall into them. They come our way. We're not going their way. So they're not planned. They're not anticipated. So number one, we see adversity is inevitable. And then there's a second point, and that's adversity is invaluable. He says, count it all joy. Well, that count has the idea of evaluating. We need, to, we need to evaluate our trials. We need to see every trial, we need to see every temptation as a learning and growing experience. We are to count it all joy when we go through trials. When we face the trials of life, we must evaluate them in the light of what is God wanting to do in us and through us through this trial. You know, our values are going to determine our evaluations. What we value is going to determine on how we see these trials. If we value comfort more than character, trials are going to upset us. Now, I don't know of anybody in this room that really enjoys the trials and tribulations of life. We'd rather be comfortable, wouldn't we? But listen, we understand that these trials and tribulations God allows so that he can do a work in us 
If we value comfort more than character, our trials upset us. If we value the material and the physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy. If you're looking at the material in this world more than that you're looking at the spiritual value of what you're going through, you're not going to count it all joy. If we live for the present, the here and now, and forget the future, then trials will make us bitter, not better. Hmm. By the way, you might want to jot that down. These trials and tribulations, basically, God's trying to make us better, not bitter. You know, we think about Job. Now, Job went through great trials and tribulations. But in Job 23.10, here's what Job said. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job is acknowledging that through all this, God is busy in his life and doing a work in his life. Adversity is inevitable. Adversity is invaluable. And adversity is indicative. We're to have joy in our, in our trials and temptations because they are indicators that God is seeking to do a work in us and do a work for us. I don't like the trials and tribulations of life, but I'm thankful that the Lord is working on me through them. He's knocking off some of those rough edges. He's helping to build my faith. You know, the trials and tribulations are really what our Christian life is built on. I've said many times, we don't grow on a mountaintop, we grow in the valley. Hmm. Somebody said this, the trials and tribulations of life. These are not mindless, senseless woes unleashed upon us by a cold and impersonal fate. They are permitted by a wise and loving Heavenly Father who is too caring to be unkind and too wise to make any mistakes. Well, I think that's a tremendous statement. These things aren't just unleashed on us uh, through fate. No, these things are brought to us and allowed in us by Almighty God. And as the quote is, he's too caring to be unkind and too wise to make any mistakes. So the number one essential for victory over trials, a joyful attitude, keeping the right spirit, looking at it in the right light. Number two, an understanding mind. He goes on in verse three, he says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. What do Christians know that makes it easier to face trials and benefit from them? Well, if you think about it, number one, true faith is always tested. The testing of our faith proves we're truly born again. The testing of our faith proves to us or, or verifies in us, that's the word I'm looking for, that we are the children of God, that God is busy in our lives. You know, it's kind of like conviction. I don't like conviction, but I'm thankful for it because one of the things it does is remind me and encourage me that I'm, I'm his child and he's, he's convicting me because I'm his child. Well, the trials and tribulations, I don't like them, but it encourages me and it is a blessing because now it verifies to me that I am in his child and he's allowing me to go through this to grow me. Now, God's tests bring out our best. Whatever God brings to us is to bring out the best in us. But think about this. God's, God's tests bring out, bring out the best in us, but Satan's tests bring out the worst in us. Think about Job once again. Well, let's talk about Abraham. 
When he called Abraham to live by faith, he tested him in order to increase his faith. When Satan tested Job, it was an effort to get Job to curse God. Hmm? So when God tests Abraham, it's to build Abraham's faith. But when Satan tests Job, it's to get Job to turn on God and curse him. Testing works for us, not against us, when we handle it properly. The trials and testings of our Christian life, number one, should improve our disposition, should improve our attitude. And number two, it should improve our discipline, improve our self-control. And number three, it should increase our determination or our strength to carry on even, even when we're under the pressures of trials and tribulations. And our trials and tribulations of life help us to mature and grow in our Christian life. God uses trials to build our patience. He says there, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That patience there is endurance and the ability to keep going when things are tough. You know, over in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 1, it says, we're to run with patience the race that is set before us. And it's talking about endurance. Don't give up, don't quit. And the trials and testings of life teach us to continue on, even though things aren't easy, even though things are negative, even though things are tough, we have to endure and persevere through those things. Romans 5 deals with the same idea. We glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope. So through the trials and tribulations of life, God is doing a work in us. Immature people are always impatient. Mature people are patient and persistent. And here's something somebody brought out. Impatience and unbelief usually go together. The immature person lacks faith and enables him to persevere through the trials and testings. Listen, I've seen a lot of people fall by the wayside because they, they came across trials and testings in their Christian life. I've seen people fall out of church. I've seen people fall away from following the Lord. Hmm. Well, why that happened to them? They were immature and didn't endure and didn't learn the lesson. They let the lesson beat them and defeat them. And we can't do that. Bible patience is not a passive acceptance of circumstances. So this perseverance is, isn't just accepting uh, what God sends our way. It's a courageous perseverance in the face of suffering and in the face of difficulty. So we see we, if we're going if, if to have the essentials for victory in our trials of life, number one, we have to have a joyful attitude. Number two, we have to have an understanding mind. This isn't a mistake. This isn't something uh, that I just happened on. This is a trial God's allowing me to go through. Number three, there has to be a surrendered will. He says in verse four, but let patience have her perfect work that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That little word led is very interesting. That means to allow or give way to. Do you realize God cannot build our character without our cooperation? All right, probably everybody in this room would agree with this statement. God wants to build our character. Well, how's he going to do that? Through trials and tribulations. 
But he can't do that if we don't cooperate with him in the trials and in the tribulations. Let means to allow. He says, let me paraphrase that verb for you. When, when, he, when he gives us verse 4, he's saying, let or allow patience or endurance through our trials to accomplish the goal of maturity as a believer. Perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God cannot work in us without our consent. Let me say that again. God cannot work in us without our consent. I have a message I preach on, on uh, the power of unbelief. We can tie God's hands to our unbelief. You say, no, that's not right. Oh, yeah. I read where Jesus went to his hometown. They couldn't do many great miracles there because of their unbelief. So when we don't handle things properly by faith, we limit what God can do. We need to cooperate with him and say, okay, Lord, what am I supposed to learn from this? You know, a spiritually mature person does not fight God's will, but rather accepts it willingly and obeys it joyfully. I thought about Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6, doing the will of God from the heart. Hmm. So if you're spiritually mature, you don't fight against God's will, but you cooperate with God's will. If we try to go through trials without surrendered wills, we're going to end up more like immature children than mature adults. When you start trying to fight God when he puts you through a trial and tribulation, you're going to get agitated, you're going to get angry, you're going to get frustrated, you're going to get irritated, all those things because you're not giving way to him and looking at it from the right perspective. What am I supposed to be learning? What's, why is this trial, uh, what's this trial trying to build in me and help me in? I thought about Jonah. Now, God was trying to do something in Jonah's life, wasn't he? But Jonah wouldn't cooperate. He didn't obey God from his heart with a submitted or a surrendered will. And when you read about Jonah at the end of the story, you find him acting like a spoiled child. Oh, he did what God wanted him to do, but not from the heart. He obeyed, but out of duress rather than will. Okay, God, I'll obey you if I have to. But at the end of the story, what's he doing? He's sitting out under that, under that gourd sucking his spiritual thumb angry at God. He didn't handle his situation right. God has to work in us before he can work through us. Think about this. God spent 25 years working on Abraham before he could give him his promised son. God worked 13 years in Joseph's life before he could put him in that number two position in all of Egypt. God spent 80 years preparing Moses for 40 years of service. God has to do something in us before he can do something with us. Hmm. God often uses the trials and tribulations of life to wean us away from childish things. Sometimes the purpose of a trial or a tribulation is to wean you away from something, something you've been hanging on to, something you've refused to give up 
something you've bucked up like an old mule and said, I shall, I shall not be moved. And so God's trying to get your attention and God's trying to do a work in you. We need to be cooperative. If we do not let him, if we do not surrender to him, we're not going to mature. We're actually going to become more immature. Trials and temptations can either harden us or soften us. Some of you, I'm sure, have heard this. The same boiling water that hardens the egg softens the potato. Hmm? Those trials and tribulations can make you harder. They can soften you. It's all up to you and how you cooperate. Then finally, we see if we're going to have the victory over our trials and tribulations, we need to have a heart of faith. He says there, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. There's a need for godly wisdom. I pray for godly wisdom all the time. I don't want the wisdom of the world, and I don't want my own wisdom. I want God's wisdom. So I pray and ask the Lord. And I remind him, you gave it to Solomon. Amen? There's a need for godly wisdom. Well, what is wisdom? A very basic definition, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Somebody has said knowledge is the ability to take things apart. And wisdom is the ability to put them back together. We need godly wisdom so as not to waste our growth opportunities. Notice he ties this in with the trials and temptations of life. When we're going through them, we need godly wisdom so we don't waste the trial and tribulation that God is putting us through. You know, I've I've said this many times, and I believe it's true. If you fail the test that God puts on you through a trial and temptation, you're doomed to take that test all over again. Hmm? You're kind of stuck there until you get it right because God's going to keep working on in that area of your life. So the best thing to do is count it all joy and figure out what God's trying to do in your life and let him do it. We need godly wisdom. Why do we need godly wisdom when we're going through trials? Somebody said this, <laughs> why not ask for strength or grace or even deliverance? And the answer is what I gave you, that we not waste what God's trying to do in our heart and our lives. We, listen, we need godly wisdom that we can see it from his perspective. You know, somebody has described uh, the trials and tribulations of life like God doing a, a great needlepoint in our life. And every thread has a meaning. But we don't see the needlepoint. All we see is the underside, the, the mess that all the threads make. We don't understand why each piece is so important. But God sees the finished product and what he's trying to create. So we need to cooperate with him. There's a need for faith. We shouldn't fear 
in our asking, it says he upbraideth not. God's not going to criticize you when you come to him and ask for faith or, or wisdom. He upbraideth not. Matter of fact, I think God's kind of flattered and, and pleased when we come to him and ask him for godly wisdom because we're doing what he said to do. We need to trust God can and will hear and answer our prayer. And he says this, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that waveth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. You know, we need to trust God can and will hear our prayers and answer our prayers. You know, the key to answered prayer is faith. Hmm? James says you have not because you ask not. He also says here that, that you have to ask with faith, believing that God can and will. Somebody said a lot of the unanswered prayers are because people didn't have faith that God would answer them. Hmm? When you pray and ask for things, do you really believe God can answer that? I believe that he will. Hmm? To pray without such faith is to be double-minded. One will ask whether being convinced God can and will answer. No, we can't, we can't be, be tossed, he says, like the waves of the sea. We can't be wavering. We need to be strong in our faith and, and, and just convinced. I'm going to God with this prayer, and I believe he can answer it, and he will answer it. Doubt is the counterpart of faith. He says, nothing wavering. Hmm. Nothing doubting should be the Christian motto in prayer. Let me think about this. Why do we go to the Lord in prayer? And we ask him for things, and we say we believe he can and he will answer. Then when he does, we're shocked. Really? Isn't that how it is? You know, and, and listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't like it when I hear it, but people come, preacher, you know what God did? I've been praying, and he answered my prayer. Really? Isn't that what he's supposed to do? When you ask in faith, and you believe? Doubt is responsible for much unanswered prayer. Look at verse 7. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So, it's kind of a hard saying, but we might as well not go to the Lord and pray if we're not going to pray by faith and believe, because we're not going to get what we ask for. He says that right here. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So, when we come to him in prayer, we have to come by faith, and we have to come believing that he can and he will answer our prayers. Do you realize God is displeased with doubt? God don't want us to doubt. He wants us to believe. He wants us to trust him. How often is that word trust found in our Bible? Trusting Jesus every day. Trusting Jesus all the way. That's what he wants. He wants us to be a people of faith who are trusting him in every situation and every circumstance, even when we're going through the trials and temptations and testings of life. 
Now, let me say this. I don't believe the temptations he's talking about there in verse 2 are testings to, to sin. Uh, God won't test anybody to sin. And James is going to say that a little later. No, I believe it's the trials and testings of life. The hard places we get into. At least I do. I guess you do too. Those difficult places where it's tough going. Those times and places where it's hard to get out of bed in the morning. You don't want to have to face what you're facing for another day. Hmm? Those burdens can get very heavy. And, and, and they can take a great toll. That's why James is warning us about them and telling us, you've got to handle it the right way. God is displeased with doubt. Doubt produces disbelief. And doubt produces double-mindedness. That double-mindedness, I hope you understand, that's, that's wavering. That's not being... Uh, established in your position. It's going this way and that way. And that's not what God wants. He wants confidence and trust. Doubt produces discouragement and doubt produces despondency. So God is not looking for a people who are doubting. God is looking for a people who are trusting. Is that you? Listen, is there anybody in this room that does not have trials and tribulations in their life? No. And sometimes they're worse than other times. Yeah, you know, sometimes you're skating along in life pretty good. Things are good, you know, finances are good, jobs are good, kids are good, everything's good. When it gets that way with me, I'm looking for the other shoe to fall. Because I know this isn't going to last. There are trials and tribulations coming my way. And that's the way we have to anticipate it. And don't be surprised by it. James is the one that said, or Peter is the one that said, don't be surprised by it. It's a reality of life. It would be wonderful if it wasn't so, but do you realize this? If it wasn't so, we'd never grow. We'd never have some of those edges knocked off. We'd never grow in our faith. We'd, we'd never trust like we should trust. So God has to allow us to go through these things. But when we go through them, we've got to handle them properly. And the question for each of us tonight is this. Have you allowed God to do the work in your life that he wants to do? Through the trials through the tribulations. Are you cooperating with God or are you fighting him? Hmm? Are you putting yourself in that place where you're going to have to take this test again? It's much easier to learn the first time. Hmm? Lord, what lessons are you trying to teach me? What is it you, you're, trying, you're trying to deal with me about? Seek his face. And don't see everything as negative and, and these things just are happening to me. No, God's allowing them to happen to you. Just like he allowed things to happen to Job. But he was doing a work there. And he wants to do a work in your life. I want you to bow your heads for just a minute.
you're going through the trials and tribulations of life. Maybe right at this minute, you're not in one. Maybe things are pretty good for you. But I'm sure there are others around you who are going through the trial and tribulation. And it's a difficult place. It requires faith. It requires endurance. It requires trust. It requires, it requires determination that you're not going to let it defeat you. Victory over the trials of life, the essentials for victory we've talked about tonight. Do you find those in your life? Four essentials for victory. Joyful attitude. Is that you? An understanding mind, recognizing what's going on. It's not just happenstance that I'm in this trial. God's doing something in my life. Joyful attitude, understanding mind, surrendered will. Lord, help me to learn what you want me to learn. Mold me and shape me through this. A surrendered will and a surrendered heart that wants to believe the Lord. One who's trusting. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I wonder how many would say, Preacher, I believe I'm living those essentials to have victory in my Christian life. If that's your testimony tonight, would you raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you. I wonder if there's some folks here tonight who say, Preacher, I haven't been handling my trials and my temptations, my testings in a proper way. I haven't cooperated with God. I haven't let him do what he wants to do in my life. Oh, I've seen these as just inconvenient things and, and things that just happened to me. And, but I see tonight it's God working on me. He's allowed these things for a reason. And he wants me to learn. And he wants me to mature. He wants me to grow up as a Christian. He wants me to have endurance. And the way to build endurance is through the test. And tonight, God spoke to my heart about how I'm handling my trials and my tribulations. Here's my hand. Would you slip it up? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody else. God spoke to me tonight, preacher. I need to handle my trials and tribulations in the right way. Here's my hand. Let's stand together. Maybe you need